0: hi everybody it's laurie your husband uh, so i told you what people bring uh, just before we get started uh just a disclaimer we do not own the rights of the music uh, that you might hear in the background it's all part of the cafe and we are at our weekly spot here the french press and they are a sponsor of this so there you go so come by and see us at 290 and 1960 and, uh, uh, here in Houston, Texas, and you can watch this tape podcast. If you um, want to stop by and say hi, come on. Hi. Also, our podcast can be found on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public. And we're waiting on approval from Apple and also our YouTube channel, um, which is under I told you I couldn't breathe, it? and also on Facebook and Instagram under I told you I couldn't breathe. Um, those are our disclaimers for today, and we're going to pick up where I left off. Talking about pulmonary hypertension, and uh, the doctor had just told me I had it. He sent me home um, and and let me know it was a terminal lung disease, and I had no idea how much longer I would live. Uh, They released me to go home and told me to walk. Uh, That was very hard for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I was obviously stunned at the, you know, explanation. He gave me no other explanation. On the page. Uh, like I said, I, I got on my laptop and I typed in pulmonary hypertension in Google, you know, the, you know good old Google Docs. <laughs> Everybody uses it. So, uh, But the first time I typed in pulmonary hypertension, the first thing that came up was the Pulmonary Hypertension Association. Uh, I clicked on that link and was absolutely amazed. They have so much information. Um, It was actually overwhelming the amount of information that they had on their website. Um, I I clicked on the link. I I became educated about my diagnosis um, and all the things that I found out about it. Um, Pulmonary hypertension, or PH as it's called, is uh, high blood pressure in the lungs and is caused by. the capillaries in your lungs uh, become blocked or occluded, and uh, it causes a lack of oxygen, blood flow through the body, and uh, extreme pressures, your pressures build up because they can't get blood through your lungs to get through the rest of your body, so it backs up into the right chamber of your heart, um, which causes your heart to enlarge, and then you go into right heart failure. And um, that's usually how a person with a heart hypertension dies. They really don't die of not being able to breathe, um, but it backflows so much into your heart that your heart makes you have a heart, a heart attack or you know, who knows what, what happened. Um, and I, you can't pump blood to the rest of your body. So that's where you see where I was having issues when I walked feeling my legs like they were going to collapse out from under me because they weren't getting blood oxygen flow and I would actually, there were times that I did pass out and that was the reason why and it was hard for me to understand that and everything and it was a huge slap in the face to me, Um, the diagnosis was, is because um, the life I had and my future at that point had changed drastically that day. And I say drastically, I went from traveling all the time, um, coming home and doing things with friends, being able to do things uh, that I normally did, you know, but were no longer a part of that scope anymore. Um, I, you know, I was alone in my hospital room and I just received a life sentence of death uh, at the age of 42. and, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you grapple with that? Um, and the only thing I could think of was, okay, there uh, are two ways to look at this. I could either sit here and sulk about it, or I could just say, okay, where do we go from here? And by, when I logged on to the pulmonary hypertension website, that's when I realized that there is hope. Uh, There are other people out there like me. There are other people with this disease. Um, And it showed that all in there. They had testimonies, uh, they had stories, they had um, things leading to diagnosis, they had a place where you can go on and see specialists, um, or find specialists in your area, and what their criteria was um, to be able to see that specialist if you needed a referral, if you did need a referral, uh, the types of treatments or therapies they had for this, which wasn't explained to me when the doctor came in. Like I said, he just came in he gave me a diagnosis and walked out of the room. I don't know if he didn't know what he was dealing with at the time um, or what the diagnosis was. He probably just heard about it at the time. Um, and they gave you everything. I mean, they gave you options on um, the disease, how to treat it, how to cope with it. Uh, they had support groups, they were call-in support groups, they had uh, uh, support groups that are locally, uh, and they told you how to get, they had all that information of the support group leaders where you can email them, you can email people uh, within the organization which is based in Maryland, um, information on Medicare, how to deal with insurance, how to put a binder with all your doctors together, which was extremely helpful. Um, had uh, Like I said, the specialists in the area, and more importantly, they were, had a seminar coming up in Houston called a PH on the Road, um, and it was just a few weeks away. And I immediately booked myself, uh, my mom who lives with me, and a few other friends that were free um, to come to the seminar, and the seminar was free. Um, And it was just, you know, we went ahead and signed up. We got our vouchers. And it was at a local hotel on the west side of town. And um, that became my life, that seminar, and the PH Association became my lifesaver at that point. Um, But first, I went home. I I tried to walk. It was extremely hard. Um, Taking a few steps, I would have to rest. Um, A few days later, I was, back to the hospital in ICU uh, because I was unable to breathe. Uh, it was fluid was built up all over me. Um, my heart felt like it was going to explode. And uh, they put me on a, on Lasix again, and then they put me on nitroglycerin because they had no idea what they were dealing with. Uh, and because they thought it was a heart problem, not just a lung problem, but a heart problem. And since my blood pressure was mouthful, how do you say it? my heart rate was so high? Not my blood pressure was high, my heart rate was high. They put me on history, Uh which was a bad idea uh, because I think I, my heart rate dropped tremendously, and then they had to try to get it back up again. So uh, it was a game, you know, at that point back and forth, back and forth. I mean, and I went from being blue as a smurf to being um, pale as a ghost, <laughs> and it was. You know, back and forth, they put me on high flow oxygen to get my blood oxygen back up. Um, It was just things like that, and they finally got me stabilized, and a few days later, um, they took me to a regular room off the ICU floor, and then they scheduled me for my first right heart catheter. Um, And um, a right heart catheterization is pretty intense. Um, they basically give you a mild sedative. You're kind of, uh, what I like to call twilight. So uh, you're kind of awake, but then again, you're not. And uh, they either, they insert this small little catheter tube two uh, through a major artery. It's either in your neck or they go through your groin. Um, they chose to go through the groin with me, and uh, it was just easier. And they have to give you a sedative to keep moving because they're going into a main arc and um, they, they have to put a small tube and a camera uh, when they go through there it's hard to describe. It hurts a little bit because they're pushing that through there and they tell you to relax and it's hard to relax when you're laying flat and you can't breathe in the first place. They've got you on hypo oxygen. They're trying to put you out just a little bit enough to where you're, like I said, twilighted out and um, and where you're really not sure what's going on around you, you can hear things, uh, and you're kind of half awake. It's hard to describe, it's kind of like a dream state. And uh, they go in there, and they insert that little thing, and they take a right up into your heart, and they measure the pressure in the right part of your, uh, your lung, or your neck or lung, but your heart. And if they see any occlusions, um, that's when they decide to go in, put it's jam- something to, you know, open that up, because they won't go in and do that, and a lot of you know, people that have uh, uh, heart problems and things like that, they go in and do those, and uh, hopefully we will get a interventional inter- inter- cardiologist um, to come in, I have yet to convince him, but I will, and uh, have him come in and talk about right heart catheterizations, and, um, and everything, but I got to see, because I was half out of it, um, the calf. Being done and actually see the inside from their perspective of what they look at on the screen because I had my head turned this way and actually could see what he was seeing on the screen. It's actually kind of wicked to be able to see that. And uh, I don't know, I can't, unless you YouTube things like that and where they video things, I said it's hard to describe what those are and how you feel when this go on. The only thing that bothered me was, like I said, when they went through the groin area, they had to push pretty hard to get that thing. and It's kind of like a rotor rooter They're constantly reaming it up there and everything. And they don't realize that you're not completely knocked out. You can feel all that. And uh, it was more of a pressure. It really didn't hurt. It was more of a pressure uh, than anything. And they're pushing this little line up, trying to get it, you know, it's a tiny little line. To get it up through your body and to, to see it as you go into your heart and they open up any blockages and they measure your heart chamber pressures and uh, my pressure came back in my life my heart was about 90 uh, with an o2 concentration of 76 uh, which was high because your your pressures were supposed to be like in the 20-30 range and uh, mine was at 90 at the time so uh, which made it wasn't good, it wasn't good. Which, um, usually, when they diagnose pulmonary hypertension patients, that's truly the diagnosis is when you're uh, de- uh, diagnosing the pressures in your heart from a right heart catheterization. That's usually when you are diagnosed or uh, when they truly can diagnose a pulmonary hypertension patient. So, it's very hard to diagnose specifically just by looking at x rays or chest x rays or things like that. Um, they basically have to do a right heart catheterization. Look at that! And um, yeah. they took pictures. Uh, they did everything. You know, they did the interviews. The cardiologists reported back to the pulmonologist that I now had, who came in and originally diagnosed me. Um, and that year, it, it, I would have many right heart counts within the next couple months. I think I had six more right heart counts before um, I was truly diagnosed with everything that, that uh, we got for the bedroom. And this. Um, at that point, uh, we were just trying to figure out where we were in the diagnosis process. Uh, in the days to come, uh, they scheduled yeah, me for a sleep study. Trying to figure out what meds they were going to give me, they started putting me on. I think uh, Sildenafil was the first one, which as uh, Viagra, so uh, <laughs> that was the big joke around my house is I was on Viagra, um, and it was pretty funny because uh, as friend told me the first thing came out of her mouth was the Viagra works the same way with females as it does for males. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and if you don't know what I uh, originally got or was uh, made for was to open up those capillaries within the heart and open up those uh, capillaries to get, be able to get blood flow in and it works on the lungs as well and uh, it truly does work on the lungs because it, it uh, dilates the, uh, the capillaries within your lungs and your heart and you're able to pump blood flow through they put me on that and uh, they put me on one other med uh, that was not doing me any good and I can't remember the name of that one because they ended up changing it uh, but I did a sleep study that was extremely hard uh, I went in for it they hooked it up with all this little nose and I was just starting to get on oxygen and they put me on just the, the two liters breathe in, it would pump, you know, little poofs of oxygen is what you get, and uh, that's when I called those my, uh, my NASA tanks, because that's what it sounded like when you walk on the moon, you know, you hear that things when they were walking on the moon and they go, you know, um, those pressurization things, and that's exactly what it sounded like. Every time I take a breath in, you hear that poof that go off, and, uh I had a small concentrator that i was on that they had to hook me up to as well at night when i did the sleep study the first night i did just a regular sleep study with my oxygen in um, it took me about two hours to get ready for that <laughs> It was very interesting because it's hard to to move around at this point i couldn't get up and move uh, as much i mean i was down very quickly uh, when i say that because the august they had me like my O2 was okay and then they put me on the, the um, oxygen concentrator at home after my third round of ICU in August and uh, decided mm-hmm. to do the sleep study and uh, they did the sleep study and then the next night they put me on the mask and then they put my oxygen into the mask as well so I was on an O2 concentrator and then also on there. Uh, up during the study, but it was, according to them, about three or 400 times um, within a couple hours. Um, And I would jump, and that was the thing, you know, I would would be asleep, and all of a sudden I would stop breathing and I would jump, I mean, they said it was just, and I knew I had done that on all, I had done that for years. Stop breathing. My body would just like you were being shocked or something like that. And I would actually lift out of the bed this far, and uh, at that point, um, that was when they had stopped the study in the middle of the night, and uh, had to put me on a, a higher oxygen concentration. They called the doctor, and he put me on a higher oxygen concentration, and decided, okay, we're going to finish the study. Um, and go from there, because they didn't realize how bad exactly I was until that point when I had stopped breathing several times um, and actually jumped in the bed. And um, they brought in a higher concentration O2 unit into my home, um, and it was already there. When Because at night, when I went to sleep, they would put the big concentrator in there. And when I say bringing the big concentrator, it looked like a big, huge R2 unit. It was extremely large, it made a lot of noise. Um, I was tethered to a 50 foot core, either way, um, oxygen line. And um, they had a big, huge tube in my hallway that was about four foot tall, maybe five foot tall, and it was. 24-hour concentrator. In okay, case the electricity went out, while they signed me up for Center point to get my electricity turned back on, in case we had you know an, erupt, an interruption in the uh, in any of the electricity at the time, um, they were working on getting insurance approved for uh, a generator. Uh, and this is how serious, and this is how it just it, it started to flow in my mind. You know that uh, I'm not going to get better. Uh, this medicine may help me, um, and it was to the medicine that they had me on was to slow the progression of the disease, but it wasn't going to cure it. Um, it wasn't going to make anything better. It was just going to slow the progress we had already gotten to at this point. Um, and that's when I really sat down and it really hit me um, that this was real. My life is changing. Um, there were no longer the things that I thought I could. Um, I can no longer do. Um, um, they told me they wanted me to stop driving because of the fact that I can pass out when I grow, grow anyway. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, but that was that was the, the hardest for me, was being told that I couldn't do this. So as we get into the next podcast, we'll go um, into... Um, how, to, to, how I was coping with all this and where we went uh, from there. So uh, join us for the next episode, and thank you guys for staying tuned.